Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So I believe the Holy Spirit gave this to me the other day when I was, because um, like I say, theology sometimes it gets that. I've been to some of these classes where you do, you get in the back and you warm and next thing you know your eyes are closed and you're snoring and but it was an important thing to me, and I, maybe I just wrote it for me, but I think it's good to have anyway. It says, if you find a subject or a speaker that appears a bit dry, it may be that you're not pulling from the well. And so I had to look at that and say, am I pulling from the well? And so that's what I'm doing today. I'm pulling from the well for these words that are coming forth today. So the word we're going to study today is the word predestination. Predestination is kind of a, it's a hot button in a lot of uh, different, different uh, sects of the Christian church. I know one time my son was dating a gal uh, who was from uh, a particular sect of the Baptist church. They were Calvinists. And part of the idea of Calvinism was, <clears throat> according to predestination, was that we were too evil to be able to choose God. So their feeling was in predestination is God chose you and told that guy he's going to hell, you're going to heaven. Uh, so there is that that's out there. And there are some people that feel that every step you take in life, that if you slipped on that banana peel and fell down on your tail, that that was God predestined you to do that because he was going to show you something through that pain of you falling on your tail maybe giving you some humility or something. But the predestination, the Greek word for predestination is parosio, or proizo, I should say. And it means to design and plan ahead. And parizo is P-O-O-R-I-Z-O. I will not say I'm pronouncing it correctly. But it does mean to design and plan ahead. Now, when God predestined something to happen, he didn't predestine that you were going to do such and such. What he did was he set forth a plan. He had a plan of salvation. He had a plan of salvation for the Jews. Why did the Jews end up in captivity? Because they were rebellious. Joseph's brothers were rebellious they sold him into slavery, and these things began to happen. He said, well, you're going to go into slavery. You're going to be there 430 years. And they were. So let's look at some words here on predestination or some scriptures. So Numbers 13, 1 and 2. Now Israel, we know, they're in, they're in captivity, so God is listening and listening. And finally he goes to Moses and he says, I've heard their cry. And so I'm sending you to them to take them out and so they got out these people saw <laughs> this is the interesting thing these people saw the cloud by day the fire by night they saw manna they saw quail they saw victory you know that journey from Egypt to Canaan was supposed to take 40 days and it did they got there in 40 days so after all that, and they saw all this good stuff. So then in uh, Numbers 13, 
uh, verse 1 and 2. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Send you men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto, your, unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers you shall send men, every one a ruler among them. So his words right here, which I give to the children of Israel. He predestined Canaan. Even when Abraham was walking around out there, didn't he say, behold, the land of milk and honey? And he told these folks, a land of milk and honey. So they went in there and they spied out the land. And this is a familiar story. We've, we've heard it often. But God says, this is your land. Take it. So they sent the people in to look at it. So let's go to Numbers 14, verse 22. Now, if you remember, I didn't write this down, but if you remember that the uh, 12 went in and the 10 came back with an evil report and the 2 came back with a good report. So there was, a, he was provoked. So now he says, because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and has followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto I, he was sent, and his seed shall possess it. Now, the interesting thing here, so people get this deal about predestination, about how, you know, he's already planned these things out. But here he says that because they have provoked me, and they came and they brought forth an evil report, you're not going in. Now, see, that first generation was the generation to go in and take it. They were the ones that was promised to get in there and take it. So did they fulfill their part of the predestination? No. They got to the river. They heard an evil report. And what did they say? Let's raise up captains to take us back to Egypt. Take us back to bondage. So these scriptures that I'm giving you, the Lord was dealing with me on these, not dealing with me, but showing me some things that I thought was pretty good because there was, <clears throat> well, of course it was good because he gave it to me. <laughs> but um, the interesting part is that these scriptures, when you look at them and you see that we have so much input in our destiny, we do. So in Numbers uh, 33, Verse 51 through 55, God is saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them that you, are, that you are passed over the Jordan into the land of Canaan. And then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down their high places. And you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. And you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. To the more you shall give more inheritance, and to the fewer you shall give less inheritance. And every man's inheritance shall be in a place where his lot falls according to the tribes of your father. But if you will not drive out the inhabitants from the land of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be 
pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. So God set forth, he says, look, you've got the land. Jericho's fallen, it's yours, you're in it. Now listen, don't make covenant. He said that back uh, in uh, Exodus, don't make covenant with these people. If you make covenant with these people, it's not going to go well for you. Now, we could look at this in our own lives and the people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis on who do we make covenant with. You know, the scripture talks about let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And too often we have a maybe. Maybe we can make this work. Maybe we can, you know, we do these things. God has predestined every one of us, and we'll get into that in a minute, to be born again. There's not one person from Judas to Stalin to Mao to Lenin, any of those people that was not predestined to know Christ as Lord and Savior. So he's told them some things. If you do this, you will inherit the good of the land. Let's go to Deuteronomy 20. Spent a lot of time in the Old Testament because you need to understand that the things that God told Israel, <clears throat> they were predestined. But because of what they did, they failed to fulfill what was there for them. In Deuteronomy 20, verses 16 through 18, it says, But the cities of the people which the Lord thy God does give you for an inheritance, you shall save a love. Nothing alive therein. But you shall utterly destroy them, namely the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, all the ites. And as the Lord thy God has commanded you, that, in verse 18, that they teach you not to do after all their abominations which they have done unto their gods, so that you should sin against the Lord your God. This is an interesting point when you start thinking about relationships with people. This sounds maybe a little weird, but you should be very careful about your relationships with people. We are open. Um, one of the things, we had a, a, a fun time one, here one Saturday when we did a security test of our church. And the guy that was doing the test says, you know, you people are wonderful. You have such an open heart and attitude towards people. They can get you in trouble. <laughs> But we do. I mean, Scripture tells us to think the best of others, right? So we're supposed to think the best of others. But, and this is the part but that's always important, where are they leading you if you engage in them? I mean, this has to do with business. This has to do with friendship. This has to do with, with where you go. Because people will draw you. And the sad thing is we get drawn into things we shouldn't get drawn into because we want to be non-judgmental. Let's go to Joshua 9. Boy, this is going faster than I thought. 
I'm going to have to speak slower. <laughs> In Joshua 9, so we see that they have, if you look back a little bit in Joshua, you'll see the sin of Achan where he took the golden image of or the silver and stuff and hid it in his tents. And uh, so they, they took care of that issue. But here's Joshua who has been told pretty point black from God himself, don't make covenant with these people. So starting in verse 3, he says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard that Joshua had come unto Jericho, what he had done unto Jericho and Ai, they did work willily. Let's get over here into the Amplified. They worked cunningly. <laughs> and were pretending to be ambassadors. They took provisions and old sacks on their feet, on their donkeys, and wineskins old and torn and mended and old and patched shoes on their feet, wearing old garments, and on their supply of food was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said unto him and the men of Israel, We have come from a far country, so now make a covenant with us. See, that should have been his first clue. Don't make a covenant with these people. Hey, why don't you come make a covenant with us? Hey, why don't you sign a contract with us? I got to tell I got to tell you, because this, this is family. So my brother-in-law has a business in uh, Great Falls. And his business is building trusses. So that's what he does. He's a construction engineer. Uh, he works with architects. And he design, helps design and build trusses. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So he got into a contract with this guy. Signed the papers and everything. Provided the trusses for the building. And then the guy turned around and said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll pay you half. And he said, what I'll do is if, if, you, if you sign this non-disclosure agreement, I'll pay you half, and we'll just go on about our merry way. Now, he didn't understand my brother, Ron, who's a fighter. <laughs> And so Ron is like, well, just a minute. So he went around and started talking to contractors in the area that had dealt with this guy. And they had all signed these non-disclosure agreements, which had hefty fines in there if they were to disclose. But they talked to him. He says, yeah, we did work for him. And then he came back. And one of his ruses was, <clears throat> I'll tie you up in court. I will flat tie you up in court. And you will lose everything because I've got the money. Well, again, Ron, being a fighter, says, okay. So he went after the guy. And the guy <clears throat> said, no, look, I'm, I'm more than willing to pay you half. I mean, that's more, I mean, you'll at least make some kind of a profit. And he says, I won't even be able, make, be able to pay my guys out of this. So he did. He fought. And how long was he in that battle? Two years, two and a half years, he finally won. What's that? Yeah, the Mon they actually went as far as the Montana Supreme Court. And he won there. So you see, the contract was good. You understand? Ron's no dummy. He looked at the contract, the guy offered. This is what I need, he says, this, and they sign, this is what I'll pay, and so all this. And so they sign the contract, and then the guy backed out. 
So that is why it's important that we hear in here. And the people we deal with, friends, family, customers, suppliers. So, <clears throat> excuse me, where was I? So they went down there and says, but the men, let's see here. There we go. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you live among us. How can we make a covenant with you? And they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where have you come? They said, from a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of the fame of him and what he did in Egypt. And all that he did to the kings, the two kings of the Amorites that went beyond Jordan. So they were buttering him up. Buttering him up. You know, we've heard about your God. Hey, we've heard how good your business is. We heard about your church. And he says, and it went on and says, so the elders went down, says on verse 11, so, the, so our elders and all the residents of our country said to us, take provisions for their journey and go meet the Israelites. And this is our bread that we took hot for our provisions out of our house that day. And behold, it is dry and has become moldy. And these wineskins, they were brand new in verse 13. So the, Israelite, so the Israelite men partook of their food and did not consult the Lord. I found that interesting because we being essentially trusting people, we don't often consult the Lord, you know. And so we end up getting in these where I honestly believe that we are predestined to win people to Christ, Right? But that doesn't mean that every person that comes to you with a story is going to be one to Christ. Some of them want to take advantage of you because you are a Christian. And don't you know, Christians give. I remember one, one morning, I stopped off the store to pick up some stuff after work, so I was getting off about 5 in the morning. Stopped off the store to pick up some things. And this guy came in, he says, hey, you know, you got 20 bucks? And it says, no, I really don't. Come on, man, just 20 bucks. You know, of course, your attitude, I want to help, but just it just wasn't right, you know. And I was about to say, well, I'll tell you what, we'll go in there and I'll buy you 20 bucks worth of something. And he comes right, well, that's a good Christian attitude for you. Yeah, it was. You didn't get my money to go buy beer and <laughs> whatever else you were going to buy. And, and, you know, people are just, are just like that. And it, it, we try, because we are, as a people, we really want to welcome people. We want to be welcoming. I mean, when that guy said that day about us being open, armed, and friendly, and loving, we want to be that way. Because sour pusses do not win people to Christ. <laughs> they just don't. So... So the children of Israel journeyed came into their city. So they made this deal, and Joshua, verse 15, and Joshua made peace with them and made a league or a covenant with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swore unto them. And three days after they had made covenant with the strangers, the Israelites heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. 
So you see how they got took in. So those are all examples in the Old Testament how God predestined things to happen. So what happened after the Israelites made covenant with the Gibeons? I mean, I could spend a lot of time in here and we could go to the book of Judges. We could go to the book of Kings. We could go to all that stuff where we see that Israel, time and again, moving forward, took a sidestep. The land was supposed to be theirs. I mean, what they own now is only a small spidgen of what they are supposed to have. And have you noticed that every time an offer has ever come up for peace in Israel, it's been land for peace. So they gave them some land, and the rockets moved closer. And they gave them some land, and the tunnels were easier to dig. And they gave them some land, the enemy got closer. That's even today. Let's go to John. Let's get into the New Testament. I think that's to the right here. Ever had one of those days when you turn the scriptures and you're supposed to be in the New Testament, you find yourself in Ezekiel? How did I get there? So this is predestination today. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, are you a whosoever? Okay. Whosoever. You know what whosoever means? Nobody is excluded. Nobody is excluded. And that is why we have to preach the gospel. We have to be people who go out and seek the lost. You don't seek, I mean, this sounds kind of weird, but you don't seek the lost with closed eyes. You, under, you understand that the evil in this world is real. And you understand that there are people who are more interested in this world than they are in what you have to offer them. And there's a lot of people that have heard the story about all the do's and don'ts. I mean, they read that somewhere in their life, they read the Ten Commandments that says, don't, 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 don't. And... That's all they know about Christianity. Don't, 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 don't. But our job is to reach these people. So in predestination, one of the things about planning ahead was says to design and plan ahead. He designed and planned every one of you to go out and reach the lost. There's not one person in here that does not have an evangelical calling to reach the lost. Every one of you do. Now, whether you're up here preaching as an evangelist from there or you're on the street corner ministering to the people that, that are on the streets or you're at a coffee shop with somebody and you're just 
ministering the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. And we all have our different talents and ways of doing that. Some of us are very bold and overt, and some of us are very quiet, and we look for the openings as they come, and we move on those openings. But every one of you is designed for that. Every one of us. Now, I don't know, you've probably seen these pictures on Facebook. Um, you know, you'll, you'll see a, like a, a Downs baby or um, a baby that has some birth defect of some kind, and somebody will put on there and say, got this picture, and please like if God doesn't make junk. Like they think God made that child. He was predestined to be Down syndrome or whatever. You know, the sin of the world is still at work. And the thing is, the sin of the world is still at work in our bodies because we're dying. I think Pastor Sean has said this, from the moment you're born, you begin to die. And it's true. We have a lifespan. God said it should be 120 years. He wanted it to be forever, but because of our nature, he said, I'm going to give you 120 if you do right. And it's not supposed to be 120 with the last 60 in a wheelchair. We're supposed to be walking and talking and having that. And at that time, at 120 years, say, you know, I'm done. And be like uh, Jacob, crawl in his bed, pull the blanket over, and just pass right over to the other side. This is what predestination is. Now, when God formed you and knitted you in your mother's womb, he was not forming the body. He was forming your spirit. Your spirit was being knitted together in that body. That's who he knew. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Planning. Predestining. And I know some people have said, you know, well, there's a scripture here that says, well, uh, who sinned, this person's father or his mother? And Jesus said, nobody. It's the sin of the world. So it's at work in us. One thing I like to talk to people about once in a while when they're, you know, talk about planning a family and whatnot, I say, you know, one of the things you really should start doing right now is planning for the perfect pregnancy. You need to plan out, speak out, get it out there, predestine it to happen. And the thing is, I think people sometimes forget that our voices... There's power in our voices. These voices that God gave us speak blessing or cursing. And Scripture says that we shouldn't have both of them coming out of the same well, right? So what are you going to speak over your body? You know, and we talk about this thing just for our healing. What do we speak over our body? I heard a testimony. Luann was giving me a testimony about some of the, a couple of gals at the... Uh, a women's meeting the other day about how, well, Carol spoke over her body over time, over time, about having 20-20 vision. Years. She doesn't wear glasses today. She spoke to the doctor about, do you think there's an opportunity, a chance to get my pacemaker removed? Because her heart has been getting stronger and stronger. And the doctor says, I'm not going to say yes or no. <laughs> but you see how important our voices are. She is predestining things in her life. Do you understand you can predestine things in your life? 
And the thing is, you can predestine them for good or for evil. You know, it's like, um, I'm going to go this way. And God says, no, I want you to go this way. Yeah, but God, I really like this. I know, but I need you to go this way. But out of our mouths, we speak, I'm going this way. And God, in his sovereignty, says, fine. I'll see you over there (laughs) when you come around. But you predestine things in your life by what you speak. You know, one of the hardest things for teenagers, get them to speak the truth of God over their lives. It is. Because what happens, I mean, okay, how many... How many of you read Teen Magazine? I don't know if they make it anymore. Come on, you people that are my age, you all read it. Come on. <laughs> but it was, what is it? It's a magazine of these pretty young girls in these fashionable outfits and doing this fun stuff, and that's what I want to be. I noticed something the other day. I don't know why I noticed this, but I noticed this thing where these girls now are taking their shirts and they're just tucking them in the front of their pants. Why? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, why? <laughs> but they're following. Do you understand? Predestination is not following. It, you know, it's like getting piercings all over the place. Well, I want to be an individual, just like that person. Yeah. <laughs> No. (laughs) Are you going to predestine something for your life or are you going to follow? Do you understand? God has given us a voice. He's given us his Holy Spirit and we are speaking truth and life into our lives for our future. And the word of God in predestination, that power that was in there in the Old Testament as he was speaking to the Israelites is in you now if you're born again. Because you've got the Holy Ghost in you, and he will give you voice over your life. He will. Let's go to Romans 8. It's supposed to be teaching, not preaching. Romans 8, 29. So he's speaking, while Paul's writing, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's going to be theology point one. In this scripture, we see that he, now, Pastor Sean has talked about this in the past. There's a difference between foreknowing and foretelling. So foreknowing is looking down and, and knowing that we are going to come to a place somewhere in there where somebody's going to preach the gospel to us. And we're going to receive it. Because somebody's going to listen to the Holy Ghost we're going to be in that place, and 
were going to receive Christ. He knew it was going to happen. He did not say, Mike, you're going to get born again on such and such a day, and you got nothing to say about it. We do know that every time man gets involved, he messes it up. It's what we do. We're really good at that. We're not graced for that, but we're really good at it. Um, but he talked about being predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So you understand that even after you get born again, the world tugs you away. I, I've seen this happen too many times. I mean, it, it could have happened to me very easily. You can get to this place where, oh, I, don't need, I don't need to go to church anymore. I don't need to go to youth group anymore. I mean, you know, I don't need, I'll take my kids to church and then I'll go home. Um, I'll, you know, I, I'm good enough. Because after all, grace. I'm under grace. And then when the kids get rebellious, how did that happen? Hey, Sunday school teacher. Hey, youth group leader. Hey, pastor. Hey, mom. Hey, dad. Where were you? And these predestinations, these things are set forth. God is looking down the path, and he's saying, every one of you has got this opportunity. Every one of you has a message. You are predestined with a message. And you say, well, what's that message? Grace, mercy, peace, love, joy, salvation, all in the presence of God. Go to Ephesians 1 4. So, the word predestination is also tied with a word called chosen. So, Ephesians 1 4 and 5. He said, Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be whole, should be, should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach, before him in love. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him, and was his kind intent. So the word chosen, I was looking this up the other day, and one of the uh, descriptions of the word chosen is invited. Invited is an important word. If you go back to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you are now invited to partake of his son. It's like an R, a guy put it this way, it's like an RSVP. Response to play. If you will come, let me know in advance. Chosen is an invitation. You know, you can be, there's, I'm reading these books now, Calling and Separation and Decently in Order and Theology Simplified and I'm trying to make it more simple because that's where I understand it at. That's why 
name this theology point one instead of 101. Um, if you've ever had college courses, you know where I'm at. The thing is, chosen and calling and separation, we're all called. Every one of us is called. We are not called all to the same thing. I'm not going to be Pastor Sean. I'm going to be me, what God has called me to do. Uh, one Wednesday, I think I said, or Sunday, I said something about, I wish I could have the passion and, and the things that Mike and Mark and Sean, because they, <clears throat> you know, they really get going. I'm just kind of like, you know, here it is. I've, I'm going to teach you the word. But that's me. That's where I'm at. And I'm happy with that now. I mean, there's always, yeah, you know, like a little fire and brimstone. That'd be kind of nice once in a while. <laughs> but, but the thing is, we're all called. You are called with a calling, and what are you going to do with that calling? If you're not called to be a pastor, what are you called to do? I mean, a lot of people says, well, I'm, well I heard this, I read this today, it was so good. This pastor came, this pastoral student came up to this pastor and says, I'm called to be a pastor. Oh, that's good. No, you don't understand. I'm called to be a pastor. Well, I think I heard you the first time. No, I'm called to be a pastor. When am I going to get in the pulpit and preach? So he asked the kid a question. He says, so how much time did you spend in children's church? What? Well, how much time did you spend cleaning up around the church? Hey, listen, I'm a good pastor. Yeah, but how much time did you spend with the youth? You may be called, but you're not prepared. Now, I love what Romans eleven twenty nine says, that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Believe me, I have laid on that one hard in my life. God does not withdraw the calling. We are the ones that refuse to receive the invitation. You know, if you're told to come to a costume party, how do you come to the costume party? In costume, Right? Whatever costume you want, if you want to be a pirate or whatever, that's what you do. You come, or wherever somebody's at back there with his Star Trek uniform. <laughs> but you come dressed for the occasion, right? You do not come in your normal street clothes because you did not respond to the invitation appropriately. God gives us an invitation we have to respond appropriately. The predestination that God has planned for your life is not carved in stone in the sense that thus it shall always be. Our responsibility is to what? Why does it say in Scripture, it says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling? You think about that? Why do I have to work out my salvation in fear and trembling? Am I going to heaven? Yeah, God said, if I received his son as my Lord and Savior, I'm going to heaven. Well, why do I have to work out my salvation in fear and trembling? What is salvation? Saved, healed, delivered, a voice for God, a person of influence for God, a person who has the word in his heart to speak out those words in due season. These things are so important. You are predestinated for these things. I can't drive that in enough. 
You may think, well, I, I just don't know. Well, then seek God. You know, he has, he has not forgotten you if you think he has. And if you're a young person, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the fruit of the land. Not rebellious. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedience eats the fruit of the land. And it's good fruit. We know that in the Old Testament, when they came back from their first visit into the promised land, they came back bearing great bushes on poles between men. You understand how much that is? I mean, I've seen grapevines. But can you imagine having so many grapes that you got them on poles between men and you're taking them across? A land flowing with milk and honey? It's in you. It's in you. To be a success in anything you do, it's in you. But you have to listen to the Lord because when he predestines and plans, then you need to listen to his plan for you. If you don't listen to his plan for you and try to do it on your own, you get into this place called rebellion. And what is rebellion tied to? Witchcraft. And witchcraft is a nasty little spirit. The foundation of predestination at the point of salvation and throughout eternity is not about God's sovereignty, but about God's foreknowledge. God has sent you an invitation. You received part of that invitation and you responded when you received Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's another part of that, that, are that invitation. And we need to respond to that. I have called you. I have invited you. What, Lord? Well, let's just sit down and talk about it. That's what he wants. More than anything else, he wants to have a conversation with you about what his plan is for you. Where you're going to go. And if you're going to just choose your own plan, in his sovereignty, he'll say, okay. Hopefully I'll see you on the other side and we'll get this back in order. But if you listen to his plan, doesn't mean you won't have trials, it won't, doesn't mean you won't have tribulation, it doesn't mean you won't have afflictions. Afflictions are not diseases. Afflictions are like Paul's thorn in the flesh. This messenger from Satan just yapping at him all the time. But if you do his plan, you will succeed. You will. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.